to episode 10 of the Bolt from the Blue podcast. I'm delighted to have two hard-bitten blues in <laughs> the studio with me. And the first one is King of the Kipax writer, football financial expert, and a very, very proud member of the Bolt from the Blue team, Colin Savage. How are you doing, Colin? Yeah, I'm good. Good, thanks. i say a lot better than I was yesterday when I had to cry off. But uh, that was largely self-inflicted, so don't worry about me. We also have the producer of the YouTube channel that was formerly known as Man City Fan Chat, but is now known as City Fan TV. In my personal opinion, that's a much better name. They're beginning to, to hit their groove, guys. Get onto that channel. It's absolutely fabulous. They'll be doing stuff about not only the men's team, but the women's team this season. And the orchestrator of all of that is with us, and that is Mr. Ray. How are you doing, Ray? I'm absolutely fantastic. Every time we, we pick up three points, uh, that, that kind of sets my tone for the weekend and for the day or two after that. So I'm in a very good mood. Launch of the new channel name and logo yesterday. I mean, basically, it's to help us build uh, up to the Manchester Derby at the weekend, the women's derby. So we, I thought it's the right time to make this change. You know, it's not, we're not just about men's football. It's about women's football too. I'll be going to some of the games. Obviously, if you go into so many of the men's games, you can't go to all the women's games as well. We've got Jenny who will help us on the women's side. And, um, we've got a lot of exciting things lined up. And if we get time at the end, maybe we can talk about them, but a lot of exciting things lined up for the start of the, uh, the women's season. Absolutely. And guys, since we last spoke to you, there's been a Champions League draw, and I watched this live. I have to, I have to admit, guys, I, I was one of those nerds that that watched the line by line. Um, Guardian, uh, they dropped down line by line uh, reports as we went along, and uh, Manchester City have drawn Zagreb, Atalanta, and Shakhtar. And I would like to begin our pod tonight by asking Colin Savage his. Uh, reaction to that particular draw? Uh, well, from a football point of view, delighted. Um, because when you when you think that we had teams like Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid in pot two, uh, you know, someone like Shakhtar, it's the draw you'd want really, isn't it? And um, so from a football point of view, obviously we know Shakhtar very well now. It's almost hello, old friend. Really good to see you once again for the third season running. But um, Atalanta and Dinamo Zagreb are new names on our um, travel roster. So um, that'll be interesting. And um, Atalanta can't use their ground for Champions League games, so they'll be playing at the San Siro. So, so that lo- looks like being a popular trip for the uh, travelling fans. And uh, But Zagreb sounds uh, an interesting game. So um, somewhere, actually, I wouldn't mind seeing if I possibly could, but uh, we'll wait and see. <laughs> and, I think, and I think we're going to talk about this shortly, but 
while the draw may be very pleasing on football grounds, I'm not sure City's operational uh, managers thinking about ticket prices and how to fill the ground will have been quite so delighted. Guys, um, I got my very, very first tweet from Stuart Brennan of the Manchester Evening News. I, I think our podcast has arrived when we're getting tweets from such big figures. When the draw was made, I just put up a little tweet saying that obviously Zagreb is in Croatia and my brother has been taking his holidays there for the last uh, three or four years. It's, it's a very nice place for people to be. And Stuart Brennan replied and said, it's absolutely beautiful. I'm there right now. So, Ray, what was your reaction to the draw and are you happy with it? From a footballing point of view, in, in the, thinking about how difficult the opposition is, you've got to be happy thinking that we could be resting players and getting through. We could be through after four games and, and topping the group if we go out all guns blazing in the first three or four games. And then we can, you know, rest a few players, bring some fringe players in or a couple of kids, Forden, for instance, that everybody's clamoring for. So from that point of view, you think, um, it's a decent draw. Part of me would have liked a, a stronger opponent from pot two just to give us a harder game because, you know, once you get through the group stages, there's probably not going to be any easy games. And I would have liked at least a harder game home and away. Maybe not as hard as a, a, a Atletico Madrid who were riding high in the Spanish league, but someone slightly in between Shakhtar and Atletico just to test our players a little bit more. But it's a, it's a good draw. And financially, as Colin has said, uh, I'm just looking at the ticket prices they've come out today. And the cheapest adult ticket for the home games is 15 quid for a season card holder on the cup scheme. That's a fantastic, that is a fantastic price. But you can just see the difference. If that had been uh, Real Madrid that we were playing, I suspect we wouldn't get any change out, at least 30 quid. Um, but they're going to have to f- fill the stadium somehow. And giving cheap tickets, obviously that's the way to, to go and try and do it. The thing is to get to win the group and get yourself a decent draw in, in the last 16, because obviously that gives you the best chance of progressing further. But of course... You know, we've never really taken the most of that opportunity. So it's it's nice to have a decent opponent. I remember, you know, the thrill of seeing, the, you know, Barcelona and Real Madrid come to the Etihad. That, you know, those are the sort of games that you want as a, a fan, aren't they, really? There's never easy games in the Champions League, but you'd have to assume these games are going to be easier than playing someone like uh, Atletico or Lyon and uh, even down in pot four, you know. Uh, RB Leipzig, Galatasaray. I'll take the easier games, but it, it is nice to see a big name opponent in in those early stages. And uh, Ray Manchester City once again made favourites for the competition. Does that surprise you? <laughs> no, not really. I mean, let's be honest. Everybody fears Man City, even Liverpool, who are in their own right one of the favourites. Uh, obviously winning it last season and finally the season before. Smart, you could argue, smart money's on City or Liverpool. Uh, it's, just, it's only natural that they're two of the, if you argue, the, at the top three teams in Europe at the moment, City, City and Liverpool will be up there. Whichever order you want, um, I'm not going to argue about that right now. City have to be one of the favourites. And you just think at some point we will sort ourselves out in the knockout stages and um, and go a little bit further. Colin, what do you think about the uh, the groups that were given to the other English teams? It was interesting, that, actually, because Tottenham, I think, got a tough group. So, obviously, there's Bayern in there. And Bayern are maybe not the force they were, but they're still a good team. Uh, there's the, the old, whatever they are, is it Red Star, Belgrade? Um, mm. 
Yeah. Uh, I never know that. I, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce who, who, their real who, name. Who spanked Liverpool last season? Y- yes, who spanked Liverpool. And Olympiacos, who can be difficult. So I think Tottenham have got a tough group and they're going to need to watch that very carefully. Liverpool, I think they, you know, they've got Napoli in there, but I think they've got a relatively straightforward group. Um, you would imagine they'll progress relatively easily. But of course, they struggled last season in what should have been a relatively straightforward group. Um, the interesting one is Group F with uh, Borussia Dortmund, Barcelona and Inter and then Slavia Prague, who are presumably going to be the whipping boys. But but again, you never know. And then uh, we've got Chelsea's group. Chelsea, I don't know. Uh, Ajax is going to be difficult. Lille could be difficult. And Valencia. So I think Chelsea, Chelsea have definitely got a bit of a, a group of death, along with that Group F, which there's no English teams involved with. Spurs group could be difficult if they if they slip up against one of the pot three or four teams. But as a, yeah, Liverpool should sail through that group, you would imagine. Well, guys, we did have another draw that we should comment upon uh, briefly. Looks like we've got uh, Preston North End in the EFL Cup, Ray. What did you think? I think it's quite a good draw, even though it's away from home. It's not a, uh, a long trip. It's not like going down to the South Coast or to London. It's just going to be, what, 30 miles up the M61. Uh, so that's not too far to go. Uh, Preston, decent side in the in the in the championship, but you know it's, it's an opportunity for City to play some of the fringe players, a couple of the younger players. And I think Eric Garcia got a few run run outs last uh, season in the Carabao Cup, as it was then. I think uh, so. Yeah, it's, it's it's an opportunity to play some of the lesser lights and mix it up. And I, I don't think we'd mix it up too much. I don't think Pep did that uh, last season because some of our the players who don't start every week will want to be playing in that game and just to get uh, you know some minutes on the pitch. So I think it's a very decent draw for us, and it's a it's a game that I think we're going to take a lot of fans to. Uh, and Colin might know exactly how many fans we've got uh, tickets we've got. I, think, I remember someone saying we could have up to five thousand tickets. So yeah, anyway. um, I was with a mate who's a, a Preston fan. In fact, his father used to be the club doctor, and he's saying we should get at least four thousand for that. They'll give us the whole end. Well, there you go. So pretty much anybody who wants to go to that game would be able to get, uh, should be able to get a ticket. So, um, it's, you know, it'd, it'd be a good occasion because obviously Preston fans will come out to see the champions of, uh, of England, um, play and a lot of city fans will go up there. So I think it'd be a, a cracking atmosphere. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are here to talk about Manchester City four, Brighton nil. Now, there were uh, several interesting talking points that we're going to discuss about this game. But I'd like to talk about the major one for us from a City point of view. Colin Savage, Laporte got injured. We don't know how long he'll be out. That's the thing that could hand the title to Liverpool. (laughs) Well, I mean, we saw last season, didn't we, with Kevin De Bruyne out and uh, Benjamin Mendy out for most of the season. Uh, And we still just about scraped home with, you know, uh, pathetic 98 points. So, Laporte, mm, yeah, I mean, the thing about Kevin De Bruyne, we had Bernardo, uh, you know, Phil Foden in there. Uh, we had players who could drop back into midfield, who, who could take up the slack. Laporte is easily our best defender, so it's a worry. Now, we don't know yet because one of the rumours is it's not as bad as feared and he could only be out for a month, which which would, would be nice. Please, uh, God, uh, let that be true. Yeah. But, I mean, the problem is that, obviously, we've only got three kind of first-choice defenders uh, of whom you need to play two at any one time. Uh, and Stones 
uh, has been in just coming back from injury and doesn't particularly seem to be in favour. But maybe it gives him the chance to step up. And of course, Fernandinho, uh, I thought, did an excellent job on, on Saturday because it wasn't an easy game for, for a defender to, to come into like that particularly one who's not used to playing at the back. And that's where you, you kind of... I, I was sat there during the game thinking, were we clever to let Danilo go just at that particular moment? And you know, could we persuade Vincent Kumbly to um, give up his contract and come <laughs> back? And So it all depends on how, how long Laporte's going to be out for. If he's going to be out for a month, then uh, we, we can probably manage uh, quite, you know, quite reasonably during that period. If it's going to be six months, then uh, we might have to look at getting someone in. But of course, our, one of our Champions League opponents, Atalanta, uh, one Martin Skirtle has just terminated his contract by mutual agreement. I so saw. He, he, Not thanks. He's, he's a free agent and we can bring a free agent in any time we want, of course. So mm. um, if, if, we, if we're really desperate, there's always Martin Skirtle, who is a bit, you know, it wouldn't be my first choice because he's a bit Otamendi on steroids, isn't he, really? People are also in panic because Peppard said, I couldn't bring another centre half in, so because a centre back in, because I was told we had to limit our spending. So now people are, you know, people are getting a bit worried about that. But as I explained to someone yesterday, the objective is for it to be financially self-sufficient. And having brought in Rodri, and we have spent a lot of money in the last few seasons. Our amortisations running very high. I think we're perhaps saving up, saving. Hopefully, we're saving some money for a big one in the summer. Here we go. Manchester City 4, Brighton 0. An early goal is a good thing and a bad thing in some ways. It's a good thing because it throws the opposition's tactical plan completely out the window, particularly if they've come to put 10 men behind the ball. So it's a good thing on, on, on that basis. It, could, it can be a bad thing because the team can get too complacent. But but to talk about the goal, I mean, Zinchenko brought the ball upfield, played in a lovely ball to David Silva. And David Silva kind of shrugged off his uh, Brighton marker, got his body between the defender and the ball got round the defender and just uh, had all the time in the world to play a ball into Kevin De Bruyne's feet. Now, the, the one problem with, with, with Super Kev this season is he's not had his shooting boots. I don't think he's got a shot on target so far this season. He got his eyes focused and he got, he got his boots on the right feet and he planted that one in the back of the net. But it was so, it was just one of those typical city bang, bang, bang type goal. But there's so much going on for that goal. But the best thing about that goal was David Silva, the way he got his body in position, the way he got Majestic. in front of his marker, Majestic. and the way he kind of... That little guy shrugged his marker off. I can't remember who it was who was marking him, but um, uh, he just shrugged him off as though he was, um, you know, a, a, a fly or a moth. Yeah, fl- yeah. Flicking away with his hand, like... And, uh, of course, you, you know, you give David Silva that time and space, he's going to pick someone out. And I took... Uh, both my lads with me to the game on Saturday and I was explaining at halftime when we were showing the goal how Zinchenko uh, was ready to pass the ball and then he stopped for half a second he didn't pass it and he waited till a bit more movement in front of him people dragging uh, the Brighton defenders left, right and centre and you could see David Silva making his darting run he put it in the space behind him and, and I explained to him the way that David Silva took two touches, took one touch, looked up to see what was on, took a second touch, brought him nearer the keeper, forced the keeper to come out. The keeper had no choice but to come out and narrow the angle and David Silva just passed it to KDB to put in. So it was a cracking goal. Zinchenko was involved, you know, as I think they call it in some quarters the hockey assist, which is the pre-assist because sometimes 
that is the uh, that is what creates the goal. And David Silva is very good at that pre-assist, playing someone in down the byline to cut it back and someone else to stick it in. So Zinchenko had a good game going forwards. I mean, people will still talk about his defensive, um, occasional defensive frailties. And I think that's going to dog him uh, for, for forever more, unless he can eradicate them. But if you're going to play a left back now, you've got to be, uh, you know, criticised as a left back. And if Ben Mendy or somebody else is making the, the, the errors that he tends to make in every game, then they'd be uh, criticised too. So I think you've got to treat him the same as anybody else. But, you know, positive play, you've got to, got to give him credit for that as well. I think you've also got to, you've also got to say it was his poor pass and then failure to intercept the, the Brighton play coming forward that led to Laporte's injury. I mean, you, I also think Laporte made that made a poor tackle. He should have done a lot better. I think it's erroneous to bring uh, mention Zinchenko's name. Otherwise, as someone commented to me yesterday, they bl- they were more vociferous in their blame of uh, Zinchenko in the, Laporte's injury. And I said, it's got nothing to do with, with his injury. Do you credit Zinchenko with, with contributing to all four goals? Because, you know, four... Passes before the shot. Zinchenko made a, a five-yard pass to Kyle Walker, and then Walker passed it out to Mares. And Mares, you don't go backwards when you know that far when someone's uh, when we score to say Zinchenko created that goal because four or five passes ago he he was the one who made that pass. I think it's wrong to blame Zinchenko in any way, shape, or form for the for the Laporte injury. The Laporte injury was just one of those accidents that happened, and it was. You know, if you want to go back one step, you can say, well, Rodri should have brought the player down and Laporte just went in for a tackle. That could have happened at any time. And I feel, I feel aggrieved on the part Olix's uh, behalf that his name is mentioned mm-hmm. as a, his failure or his mistake as a cause to uh, merit Laporte's injury. Graham Potter, I always thought, would bring a more adventurous approach. But of course, and he did. I mean, they had about... Uh, they had n- not much less possession than we had. But I think we went to, after that first goal, we were talking about the, the, the downside of scoring an early first goal, was we went to sleep a bit. We were very dozy for for most of the rest of that half. Uh, we seemed to think we had the game won, which is always a city thing when we perhaps when we get 2-0 up. And we're saying this at the game, one up, two, one up early, two up relatively quickly. We tend to go to sleep. When we get to three, we seem to get the scent of blood in our nostrils and go after a big haul. We let Brighton play that game, but yeah, they played it very, uh, they played it very well. But the problem with opening up uh, in in the way that Brighton did was that um, you leave you leave yourself more open at the back, uh, and we scored four goals without, I think, playing particularly well. I think you've got to look at Brighton and say it was a very uh, adventurous kind of bold way they played, but I'm still not convinced. They missed a couple of chances. And that that is what will kill you in this league. If you can't score enough and you're still going to let four goals in, playing as well. Yeah, you could say they played well for them. If you're not going to score the goals and you're going to let four in, you're going to be looking over your shoulder come the end of the season. And I still think if one of the three promoted clubs, and I've got my eye on Sheffield United, we might talk about this later, uh, to, to stay up. Brighton could be in trouble, could be one of the sides in trouble. I, I agree. I mean, talking to, to Kieran, I did a preview with Kieran be- before the Brighton game, talking to other Brighton fans earlier in the week. And this, because I asked him, will he still be adventurous? 
because you know, he'd been playing a he'd been trying to play a three four three formation, which you know they couldn't believe it's, it. Ne- they'd never seen something like that, and I think he did try uh, to play that adventurous three four three formation. Sometimes, obviously, when we were having uh, extended periods of pressure, I've, I've got to give them full credit because they came and had a go. And it's a general thing. Teams that come to Manchester that don't have a go get beat. That's the general way it is. I mean, last season, did we win, was it 17 home games? Teams that come to Manchester that don't put the effort in uh, and, and don't take, don't try to score and don't take the chances when they do come, they'll get beaten, whether it's two or three. Brighton came in and had a go. They got beaten four, but I, I spoke to Graham Potter after the game and, and I, I, you know, I... I I want to say congratulated him, but I said at least you came out. You came out to give it a go. You had a go. No, no he didn't respond. But um, he was more, I think, stony faced because you know points matter. I spoke to his uh, assistant, and if you saw the picture with his assistant manager, he had a big smile on his face taking a, a, a picture with me. So he he was more relaxed about it. But look, I think the game plan: if you don't take City on, you're going to probably get beat, and you're not going to get away with the draw. You're going to get come away with a hiding. So why don't you stick to your guns? Stick to your your plans, um, stick to your beliefs and your ideas and give it a go, which is what they did. And personally, I don't think Brighton will go down. I don't think they're going to finish top half, but I think there will be three worse clubs than Brighton this season. I think they'll do better than 16. It might only be 14th or 15th, but I think showing that sort of courage, they've got some players who've got some skill. They just need a bit more. Look, a bit, if they were clinical, if Trossard was clinical, they'd have got, uh, they should have scored a goal. Um, you know, I think he had a very good opportunity to score. And uh, Everton made a decent save, but the ball was hit too near him. You got to, As Colin said, you've got to take your chances. If you've got one or two half chances, like Spurs had in the first home game, two, not even half chances, and they scored. And you've got to take those opportunities. Colin Savage, despite all of that courage, uh, bang, 42 minutes, Aguero, 2-0, game over. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was a gorgeous goal, wasn't it? I mean, that was... Um... Uh, you know, a Vincent van Gogh of a goal. Um, the, the ball was uh, played for a, a long, long ball, 30, 40 yards on the floor for, by Carl Walker on the right to uh, Riyad Mahrez. And Mahrez, who is settling in so well this season, he I really love, is I love standing out this season I as, love a, as a performer. So much. Yeah. It's so beautiful. And, and what you expect with Mahrez is he takes the ball. Slow. It, it, what we would have seen last season would have taken that ball, slowed it down, you know, uh, shaped to come inside. But this this time there was no hesitation. He took the ball, back heeled it right to Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne crossed to Sergio, but Sergio still had a bit of work to do. He had a couple of defenders in front of him, but he took kind of three or four paces to his right and just unleashed one of a Sergio-style shot into the back of the net. Absolutely, uh, you know, we were kind of. This, they probably scored it in a fraction of the time that I've been talking about it, but it was just bang, long, long ball from Walker, beautiful back heel from Maris as he went inside, De Bruyne straight across to um, Aguero, Aguero, two, three steps, bang. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know what your A-level results were, Ray, Not but uh, back, back in our day, you used to get these questions at A-level, and it would make a statement, and then it would just say, discuss. Yeah. And then you, <laughs> you had to write like a, a four or five page essay on that, now, listen, Ray, here is the A-level question. The most beautiful, sumptuous back heel ever seen no. in the Premier League. <laughs> uh, discuss. Riyad Mahrez, discuss. Well, I'll say Kevin De, De Bruyne's initials, KDB, 
that were like my A level results. Believe me, uh, <laughs> they weren't they weren't pretty uh, viewing. But the thing KDP. is, Ray, that um, Maris really seems to be getting the fact that that, yeah. he, that he can't be the star of the show. He, he can be a lot. I mean, I'll, I'll, I want to describe a little bit about that goal because it was Mares who did the dummy. So when Mares got the ball, he, he was cutting inside. He took his first touch. The two defenders went with him, and then he just um, did uh, that sumptuous back heel to uh, KDB. The defenders go to KDB. Mares runs in the box. KDB puts the cross in. And Mares, last season, some um, uncharitable fans were calling Mares a dummy or worse. But this, he did a dummy here, which actually he looked like he was going to run on and take the ball, and then he just let it go. And that actually, I think, got one of the defenders on his uh, on the on the back foot, and then Sergio got the ball, left dunk on his backside, left the defender on his backside, and scored. So that that play by Mares, I mean, you could look at every aspect of that goal and see everybody played their part. But the, the what Mares's contribution was fantastic. You know that taking the players in and then leaving it for uh, for uh, KDB. And then that's a slight dummy in the box. Um, and we, we saw there were moments in that game where Mares was fantastic. And you can't take anything away from him. And there was an opportunity in the second half when he lifted the ball over to KDB. And I was at the far end. And as soon as he, he put that pass in, I was in what? A, and I was just screaming because it was a beautiful pass um, right on for KDB to run onto. And, and KDB sadly volleyed it over. And for me, that was. That had been the goal, goal of the season contender there and then because it was a beautifully weighted pass from Mares, and he's 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 got these moments now. He's got these moments in a game. Yes, at the beginning he'll still he still occasionally. I think a couple of times he looked to pass it backwards. Pep spoke to him after the first minute after we scored. Pep spoke to him on the sideline, but after that it's like he just felt he was he's he's a proper member of this team and he played like that as well. Colin Savage, I, I'm I'm just going to ask you to dig back into your memory bank. When um, Mahrez was playing for Leicester, do you remember a particular goal scored by Jamie Vardy where a, a cross-field ball came across to Mahrez and he dead-balled it to the left mm. with, just yeah, the, yeah. Just, with just the outside of his boot? It was absolutely yeah. beautiful then Maris, uh, then Vardy uh, stuck it in the net. He's got that control. and I, I still maintain, Colin, I can't think of a player in the Premier League with that dead ball control. Well, that's... actually, we saw we saw the Brighton defender, wasn't it? Was it um, Byrne who um, took that 70-yard pass and just brought it down with a, a basically over his shoulder while Aguero was pressuring him? Yeah. Yep. Uh, which was pretty spectacular. Yeah. But uh, uh, everyone says that Mares technically is the b- best player at the club, and, oh, and yeah. w- w- when you look at some of the players we have got, David Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, he's got to be some player. I mean, the only person I think you can compare with his uh, with the control uh, of, of, of killing a ball dead is Bernardo Silva. Uh, I think both both of those players are absolutely incredible, and in the, the way they can trap a ball uh, on a sixpence, so to speak. Uh, or am I mixing my metaphors? But He's, he's got a level of uh, technical skill that is, is hard to beat. I think hopefully this season we'll see he'll marry that technical skill with um, the right application and, and, and making more of the right choices. There was that point in the game, there was one where he had that ball passed to him and he, he kind of dummied the defender 
a drop of a shoulder, and the defender was lying on the floor before Mares had even controlled the ball. And it's just like, I can't believe that. It was, it was absolutely incredible. It, it led to another uh, good opportunity for City to score, which we, we didn't, uh, we, we kind of squandered. He was so good at Leicester most of the time. Uh, and we thought if you can bring that level of performance to City, that will take, it could take us to another level. And I've, I've seen a couple of, t- in a couple of games this season, because he's not played every game. It's just the way it is with City. We have so many good players. But when he has played, he's taken more of his opportunities. He's, he's, he's set up more. He's been more involved with the game uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a better way than, let's say, last season where he was slowing the game down a, li- a little bit. But, to, but right now, most of the time, he's on fire. And with those comments, suddenly a thousand Algerian fans joined Bolt from the Blue. <laughs> 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 but guys, 10 minutes after the restart, bang, 3-0. That was a beautiful golf shot, Colin, wasn't it? It was just wonderful. You know, I I just love watching him score those goals from, you know, the edge of or outside the area. There's something quite special about it. You think back to the one he scored against Chelsea, um, where, where he'd missed up, where he'd messed up from two yards. He's maturing he like a, a fine red <laughs> wine, isn't he? Well, it is. It was sure bloody quickly. It's 31. But yeah, I mean, that was just, that was just typical Sergio, wasn't it? I mean, great, great, again, a great ball from David Silva. He just doesn't seem to need the back lift from his foot. He just seems to, you know, like a flick of the ankle and, and the ball screaming into the back of the net. There is no back lift. It's ridiculous. And let me give you some statistics. Now, Sergio Aguero has now scored 99 Premier League goals at the Etihad. Now, there are only two players who have scored more at a single ground. Come on, guys. Help me out. Who are they? Rooney. And Rooney, Thierry Henry. Okay, now that's fantastic, Colin. But can you give me the numbers? Wayne Rooney has scored how many goals at Old Trafford? I think it's 114 off the top of my head. That is Thierry Henry's number. Thierry Henry, and he was one of them. Can you give so, me the Rooney number, Ray? Is that just league goals? That is league goals at one ground. All right, let, let's have a... Let, oh, I'm going to try don't, and think. Don't go on I'm Google. Not gonna, I'm not going to Google it. So he scored about league goals 200, uh, 190 or 200 and a little, 200 and a little bit. Talking about, I'm, I'm trying to work it out. This is my mathematical head. So he scored just over 200 league goals, Rooney. He played a little bit for Everton before and after. And then, it, so the bulk will be at United. He'll score most... If, if Terry Emery's got 114, I will say Wayne Rooney has... A uh, hundred and seven. Interesting, Colin Savage. If uh, Henri's on one hundred and fourteen, then Rooney must can't be more than hundred and eight, hundred and nine. I don't know. He's on a hundred and one. So Sergio ah, is actually right. is only two goals behind him. Now, for all the talk of Liverpool going on this thirteen-game unbeaten run, did you know City have won seventeen of their last eighteen Premier League games? since losing 2-1 to Newcastle United. Okay, here's my final question, and this goes to Colin. (laughs) Kevin De Bruyne has been involved in nine goals in his last how many Premier League starts? Seven. Bingo. Seven. In his last Premier... Last seven Premier League starts. And I don't think he's even playing... I don't think he's even playing... Uh, 60%, two-thirds of what he's capable of so far this season. Yeah. We're not even done, <laughs> b- because there was another goal. And in as much as 
De Bruyne scored after 68 seconds. Was it even 68 seconds that Bernardo was on the pitch before he scored his goal? 20 seconds or whatever. He had two touches. So the the Bernardo goal, so you had Mares who got the ball centrally, passed it to uh, Sergio, and Bernardo was on the left. He'd only just come on. He had no time to move around the pitch. And uh, Sergio passed it to him uh, around the uh, edge of the box on the left-hand side. He took one touch and then he rifled it across the keeper into the far corner. And actually, that's the a similar position that Trossard had after 45 minutes of the first half. Absolutely. And he should have done the same. Hit it, like you were taught as kids, hit it across the keeper. Unless you said you're Aguero and then you pretend to hit it across the keeper and sometimes slap it in the near post, uh, as David De Gea will uh, te- uh, testify. Uh, and, uh, and Alisson too last season. But it was a it was a fabulous finish from a guy who's only just on the pitch, and I'd like to thank him because he was in my fantasy football team, and I was worried that you know he might come on for a few minutes, get me one point, and it's a waste of a, a of a player. But scoring that goal, he he ended up with six points. But it was a, it was a nice finish to a, 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 a I would say a decent performance, nothing too thrilling, uh, but it was a it was a nice finish to a decent performance. And that's the thing, Colin. I mean, it was a four nil win. But most of us were not really that blown away by it, despite the fact that we should have been blown away by it. I mean, that's the, the, these are the levels that we're at. Absolutely. As I said earlier, uh, between the first and second goals, that, that, that kind of 40-odd minutes, we, we were almost like dozing in deck chairs and reading the paper. And it, it was like Brighton were, you know, were busy and, and, and huffing away, but... We didn't get out of second gear in that, you know, for the vast majority of the first half, and even the second half. It is symptomatic of this of this level of quality in the team that we can play half-hearted. Perhaps the wrong word, but we can play in the way we did on Saturday and still record a four-goal win. And actually, you contrast that to the Spurs game, where actually I thought we played very, very well for the vast majority of the game, but we couldn't finish. We, our finishing let was down. Uh, whereas on on Saturday. We we were a, a little bit dozy, snoozy, whatever you want to call it, but we still scored four goals. Yeah, apart from that, uh, there was a David Silver chance, there was a Kevin De Bruyne chance where he could have taken a, a second too longer, maybe. But I can't think of, uh, apart from those two, I can't think of many chances you think, oh, we should have scored that. Ray, is it an exaggeration to say that City and Liverpool are oceans above what comes next? You could say, you could say there's a a widening gulf between the top two in England and the rest. I mean, okay, I mean, we're only two points ahead of Leicester, you can argue, because it's only, the season's in, it's in its infancy. We've only played four games. There's a whole host of teams on seven points. You look at someone, for instance, like Arsenal, they're sat there in fifth spot on seven points, a mere three points behind City. But you look at the way Arsenal uh, stolen points, really, if, uh, with poor performances, um, watching them play against Spurs was like watching two mid-table uh, teams uh, battle it out to aged, uh, overweight and unfit boxers slugging it out in a, in, a, in a match that you might you might think it's got some excitement, but the quality isn't really there uh, in my opinion. You got moments of quality because hey, you know they've got some skill in, in, with some of those players, but it wasn't con- consistent quality throughout the games. And they sat there with seven, uh, seven points. I think for me. I've commented about this before. I would look at the goal differences. After four games, Liverpool plus nine, City plus 11. The next nearest are Leicester with three and Man United with three. 
you got teams like Arsenal in fifth spot on zero, Everton in sixth on zero, West Ham in seventh with seven points, only three points behind City on minus one. I mean, they've only lost one game. Can't remember who, who that was to. They must have got battered. You know, a lot of the teams that are on zero or negative goal difference because of they've had to play. You know, some of them that have played City or uh, Liverpool, they've they've been they've been battered. So there is a goal in class, you know, and um, whereas teams might be close for, for three or four games because you can put a decent run together for three, four, five games. Ask me the question in five or six games' time at the next international uh, window. I mean, we could be 10 points clear of the third-place team. That would be crazy. Let me ask a question. Colin Savage, did you watch the game Tottenham against Arsenal? What was your impression? These two were supposed to be the challengers. What did you think? I thought from what I saw, it looked to be quite a good game, but in the sense that it was seemed to be two well-matched teams. But, you know, you look at the quality, and as Ray said, those are the teams that might be third and fourth, and they're nowhere near us. You look at um, Spurs last season, for example, and they had, after 19 games, they were a point ahead of us. Then after 38 games, they were, what, 20-something, 27 points behind us. Uh, and Liverpool, 26 behind Liverpool. And it was an entertaining game. You, you look at Arsenal. In fact, I watched it with some Arsenal fans. Uh, we were actually at a wedding. And one of the, one of the uh, guys had an iPad, so we were watching it kind of quietly in the corner. And um, Arsenal got a great front three, no doubt about it. But even that great front three has only scored six goals in four games, whereas we scored 14. Uh, and behind that, you're looking at the midfield. I mean, Guendouzi, Torreira, good players. But you've got uh, Granit Xhaka, who's brainless. Absolutely brain, you know, he makes Otamendi look like, um, you know, President Mensa, some of his decision make. Um, you've got, you know, Spurs, they've got a good squad, but they're, they're very, as last season showed, they're very, very inconsistent. And, you know, a lot can depend on, on Harry Kane and, and they're not really firing on all cylinders. You know, they've conceded six goals already this season. Davison Sanchez is not impressive. Yeah, they've got Ndombele in and um, they've got Sessegnon and they've got Le Celso on, on loan. But, I, you know, I'm not sure. They look flaky. You know, they look like the team that can win one, one week and lose the net. And they're the best of the rest. Who is going to get the chop first? Frank Lampard at Chelsea or Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? OGS, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will be the one who's given the boot some point this, um, this season. If United want to do anything, I can see him going before Christmas. Maybe they give it to Giggsy for the rest of the season. I just don't know. <laughs> give it to Phil Neville. No, I mean, I, <laughs> Phil Neville. I can see uh, Lampard last in the season. I mean, I, I'm going to stand by my prediction of uh, Chelsea finishing fourth and United not. So if that was the case, Lampard would stay and Oli would have to bite the bullet. I mean, Spurs might struggle, but I think I still think they'll make it. Leicester could push everybody close. Arsenal and United just don't look good enough. Colin Savage, you're top four. Uh, well, City and Liverpool. I think Spurs are going to be third. Then fourth, who knows? I mean, I, I've just submitted my King of the Kipax article where I do a season preview. And I've got Arsenal in fourth. But it could be Arsenal, it could be Leicester. That fourth spot, it could be Wolves. Although Wolves haven't started the season very well. could be Everton, it could be West Ham. Who knows? Uh, there is so much. That kind of sums up the gap between us and Liverpool, maybe Spurs, although Spurs finished behind a chaotic Chelsea last season and just only only one point ahead of Arsenal. So at the moment, I'm going for Arsenal. We've got to wrap it up here. Here at the pod, we'll be back with you after the next game. But until then, we've got to just uh, say cheerio to our fabulous guests. First of all, Ray, 
thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for everything that you've done for our pod. And we hope that we reciprocate with your channel. Fantastic, Mike. It's been a very good uh, probably two hours that we spent uh, chatting away. Uh, I'm sure you'll condense that down into a, <laughs> a more palatable uh, one hour's worth. You of, know uh, I will. <laughs> but thank you very much, Mike. And also we have the king of the Kipax man, Colin Savage. Colin, thank you so much for being on. We'll be with you again after the next game. <laughs> thank you so much, Colin, for coming on. So yeah, it's been great as always. We'll be back with you, if not before Norwich, possibly something in between. The next game for the senior men's team is the one against Norwich, and we will certainly be with you after that. And until then, as we always say, have one on us and up the blues. <laughs> Manchester City are still alive here. Baratelli!